You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hopton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-hosts, Alex Hobson and Peter Barracchini. Boys, another week of Maple Leafs ups and downs. The goalie talk is the talk of the town right now. But uh, first, let's throw it over to Alex after a week away. How's it going, Alex? It's going well, man. I'm uh, happy to be back on the show after my little, my, my little break there. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good week. I went out and I hit the slopes for a little bit. And I was, uh, gave myself a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> a little bit of an escape from this team, if you want to call it that, because, you know, on that trip, I got to watch the whole 10-7 Detroit game, which obviously was just, just gave me a heart attack the entire time. Uh, unfortunately, had to watch that shit kicking at the hands of the Buffalo Sabres as well. So there were a couple of games that, you know, I wasn't too, too upset that I didn't have to sit down and like talk about and write about afterwards. I could just kind of forget about it. So, uh, but yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Um, uh, if you guys are looking to watch some of the best hockey that you ever will watch, uh, just letting you know, my, my D10 ball hockey finals start on Thursday. So, yes. you guys, Mike McGowan Memorial Rink in St. Catharines, 6 p.m. tomorrow night, or 6.30 tomorrow night, and then 8 o'clock on Saturday night, if you guys are willing to uh, make the trek down to watch some of the country's most premier ball hockey. I say that like we're not in the 10th I say that like we're not in the 10th division. Why not make the trip down for that? That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I should, I, I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm not going to tell you to. You can make that own decision. Just, uh, I'm just sh- letting you know it's some of the best hockey you'll ever watch. You're going to show up at the rink tomorrow. There's going to be a full crowd, 5,000. Oh, same, man. Same, same crowd that Arizona's getting the next three years. Dude, <laughs> my one roommate came, came to one of our semifinal games last week, and he was the only guy there cheering for us, but the other team had no fans. So it was like we had a full barn. <laughs> oh, I love it when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wild. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many fans you have, as long as the ones that you do have are the loudest. That's right. So, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday. Uh, Thursday, March tenth. Uh, French and Fried takes on Buds and Brews for the Niagara D10 Men's Ball Hockey Championship. Be there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Be there, folks. Uh, Peter, how's your week been, buddy? Um. Honestly, my week was kind of boring. I, I ain't going to lie. I didn't do anything special or fancy or anything like take a ski trip like Alex, but I wish I did. I would love to, you know, start taking some vacations right now because, hey, things are starting to open up and looking okay at the at the moment. But, um, yeah, uh, just, just been plugging away with some writing. Uh, big news, the NHL draft guide is out. I know that you two are on there, and it started. So uh, if you're uh, – you know, prospect fan or NHL draft fan, head on over to the hockey writers because the coverage has already started. And just to piggy off uh, what Alex said about, you know, the whole uh, this situ- uh, story about how one side had fans and the others didn't, every single time when I played beer league, we always had our like family, friends, or whatever, come out to the games and they were always on our side cheering for us whenever we scored and everything like that. And whenever they scored, they would always literally, you would hear the biggest boos in the entire arena and they would look back and they're like, what the hell is this shit? Like, like obviously like no no paying, no no nothing, whatever. They were actually family friends or whatever coming out and they were actually our cheer squad and they had nobody on their side. So I could easily relate to that. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's why I I miss the I miss the small town rinks, right? Like we had this yeah. old barn in in Oakville where it was like it was just like the the snack bar was like right behind one of the boards, so like the back that board was all concrete. I only oh, yeah. remember that because I went into it first conky, oh. first conky. Oh no, first, first conky boys, but uh, uh, yeah, no, the the old uh, <laughs> the old barn. <laughs> I had to go there. Oh, Come on, that, that, that was a yeah, Park Boys moment. Yeah, had to. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, you just can't you can't put into words. Sometimes being those old barns, but um, uh, yeah, uh, this week we're we're recording at a little bit of a different time, a little afternoon recording midweek. Uh, as I told you guys, I put the little guy down, so a little nap recording here, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a week. COVID ran its rampant. Uh, trail through our house and uh everybody seems to be on the mend i'm back to work my wife's back to work little guy's back to having a little bit of energy you can hear my dog in the background there uh just having the time of his life covid uh, covid's looking at our pod like two down one to go that's right that's right <laughs> peter, peter watch your back you got a target knock it on wood man knock it on wood yeah but uh no i got to tell you guys a quick story here though so you know how like on eBay and like bidding sites, there's always those guys that wait till the last minute and try and scoop whatever, whatever goods they can. Oh, um, like those um, the, last minute snipers on there. Last minute snipers. Right. Yeah. So just for fun, AJ sports, one of my, one of my go-to for memorabilia. I, I jumped on their, uh, their bidding site uh, last week and uh, threw a bid down with two hours left it's on a, on a uh, signed Morgan Riley um, Toronto arenas Jersey. And I uh, thought, you know, like somebody, somebody's going to pick it up. Like it was 250, right? So I was like, yeah. you can't really pass that up for 250. Uh, yeah, nobody did. So uh, I'll be adding that to the, uh, the hey. wall here behind me. Because, uh, hey, what the hell? What the hell, right? But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a week. It's been a week. Uh, in Leafs Nation, it's been a week. I think I, I separated myself from Leafs Nation on Twitter uh, for a little while <laughs> because uh, I just, I can't take the negativity. But yeah. that being said, um, I think we're going to jump right into it here. Um, Before we jump in, there is some breaking news, and this is the second time that this has happened on the pod. So uh, Kyle Clifford and Carl Dahlstrom just got two extensions. Uh, Clifford, two years, AAV of 762000 Dahlstrom, two-way deal for next season and league minimum of seven fifty k. Hey, you can't argue that having that uh, having that in your organization. You know, we all know what Cliffy can do. So, oh yeah, um, they're 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 definitely giving Kyle Clifford the uh, the Richard Clune route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, absolutely. I bet he's at a stage in his career when he you know wants to settle down with his family, and I'm sure he's I'm sure he's fine playing for the Marlies at this point. But otherwise, I don't know why he wouldn't have. I don't know why he would have signed that extension. But um, yeah, deal makes sense to me. Same thing with Dallaston. It's depth. Who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's going to be a fraction of Leafs Twitter that freaks out about it. And says, why did we bring back Kyle Clifford? <laughs> he didn't do anything. It's like, okay, well, yeah. it's not your money, so who cares? <laughs> and I, I hate to say that. It was like breaking news. Like, it was something major happening. But I'm just like, it was two major signings. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Why not just build it up a bit? Because the last time we had breaking news was the Taylor Hall trade on our pod. So... You know what? Let's just throw it out there. You know. Well, and I do. I, I do have to say that Clifford did make uh, make one contribution to the Leafs a couple of years ago when he uh, he made Peter Mrazek forget how to play the position. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh boy, oh, he had man. to do them like that. Eh, oh, guys, oh. it's it's afternoon. You know, I don't have any drinks oh. in the in the body. Got to got to get a few of the jokes out of the way early on. Oh uh, man. But uh, yeah, no. Um, let's talk. Let's get right into like how we fix this team because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk on, and I mentioned Leafs Twitter right now. It's it's kind of a mayhem of uh, information. Um, you've got people who are criticizing the goaltending. You got people who are criticizing the team as a whole. Uh, you have people, you know, name dropping who they are going to go out and get at the deadline as, as the armchair GMs. Marc-Andre Fleury seems to be one of the biggest names that's floating around. And I know we kind of touched on this a little bit last week in, in talking about the goalie concerns, uh, Peter, but Marc-Andre Fleury, there was one report that did come out saying that he has notified the Blackhawks that he doesn't want to be traded. That was followed up by another report that uh, the Leafs were in talks and uh, there was a possibility that they, there could be a third team uh, to that, that would eat some of the salary, um, therefore sending the uh, Marc-Andre Fleury along with Hagel to uh, Toronto. Uh, no return was really mentioned. But I want to get your thoughts, Peter, uh, uh, first off on uh, Fleury, the possibility of Fleury coming to Toronto and how much this will change the organization's route uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, I saw the, um, it was a a report from, I'm trying to find the Twitter handle, but I can't right now. But when I do, I will mention it. Um, They mentioned that Frank Saravalli on, on like one of their podcasts mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury as the name and target and the Maple Leafs were linked to them. And like you said, this is coming after where maybe Fleury didn't want to waive his no trade clause. And then there's a report that is happening right now. And we have no idea what's going to happen, but um, it, it, it's a very confusing situation right now, because on one hand, you would, you would want to have Mark on who wouldn't want Mark Archer Fleury on their team and getting a depth addition like Brendan Hagel, 1.5 million for two years. And at the rate that he's going, that's just absolutely phenomenal. But you know, Kyle Dubas shot down any rumor report of him trying to go after a goaltender because he has the faith and belief in Jack Campbell and Mrazek. But you look at their numbers lately, and it's just been really, really, you know, tough to look at and get a gauge on where this team or how this team is going to have any success if goaltending is going to struggle. And, you know, I wrote something about the defense and uh, goaltending needing to have a collective effort. And we're not seeing that just yet. And, you know, I, I, you want to try and address goaltending, but is it going to be, um, is the chemistry going to gel right away when you make a deal like that, as opposed to getting a forward and a defense, because I can't remember the last time a team and and I could be wrong, who went out to the deadline, got a star set of goaltender or like high end goaltender and made a deep playoff run. I have, I, I don't remember seeing that if I'm wrong, please correct me. But you know, it, it's just really difficult to see or get a gauge where this team is at. And if they do get flurry, I don't know if it's going to work because of Jake Muzzin's situation right now. You know, he's not going to be shut down until the playoffs and he's going to be coming back potentially post deadline. And that may put a damper on things because they don't have the cap space to work with everything. So it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. But uh, I think right now you just got to roll with what you have and hope for the best. I did read that uh, there is a possibility. Well, there's there's parties close to Jake Muzzin that would like him to stay out until playoffs, just because of the back to back concussions. Uh, again, that's that's up for speculation, mm-hmm. um, up for debate. Uh, but uh, I mean, Alex, Mark Andre Fleury would be a, a, 
a patch in the wall, essentially. The, the, the understanding would be that likely Morozik is the guy that goes in a deal that, that involves Flurry and the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, that being said, um, all of a sudden you're left with two free agent goaltenders as the Leafs. You've taken all the confidence out of Campbell when you move when you go out and get a guy like Fleury. Where do you set yourself up as if you're the Leafs if you go out to get a guy like Marc Andre Fleury? Uh, you know, I just I, I, I just don't think this trade's going to happen. To be completely honest, like you know, sure there was that one Saravalli report where he said, yeah, the you know there, there there could be talks between the Leafs and the Hawks about making a, uh, an MAF trade work, but I think there's just too many hurdles to go over to make this trade work that make it kind of not really worth it. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, sure, he's great. And he's had some awesome, he's had some awesome playoff games in the past. He's had some awesome seasons in the past, but we're also talking about a guy who was like up until a couple years ago was notorious for crumbling under the pressure in the playoffs. And so ask yourself right now, is that really what the Leafs need (laughs) between the pipes? Like we're talking about how Jack Campbell's got, you know, you know, the men, his mental game is a little bit flawed and how he gets down on himself when he has a bad game and stuff like that. Is bringing in another guy who has had issues mm-hmm. like that in the past before really the best move right there? And especially, you know, there's just, like I said, like if you're going to acquire him, you're acquiring a $7 million contract. You got to ship Peter Morazic out. Chicago's going to want to take Morazic first of all. And then you got to... Um, eat salary at least 50 percent. yeah you got to you got to eat some salary you got to get them to eat some salary as well and even then like are the Leafs even going to have that space with the whole Jake Muzzin thing or do they plan on bringing him back earlier do they plan to keep him on the shelf until the playoffs because the only way that you're going to acquire a salary like Marc-Andre Fleury's without having to put him on the or sorry without having to uh trade anyone else is by opening up that salary left by Muzzin so I just, I don't know. It seems like a lot of moves that would have to be made. And obviously I'd love Brandon Hagel as well, but I, um, I forget who saw it. I forget who said it. I think it may have been a, it may have been Ben Pope with the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a, he's a beat reporter for them. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I think it may have been him that said there's like a 1% chance that, that the Blackhawks move on from Brandon Hagel. It doesn't seem like they want to trade for him. I know Leaf fans love the idea of a guy that kind of plays similar to Michael Bunting, who's younger and affordable, but he's not a guy I think Chicago wants to move. So the, I, I just think there's so much that's unrealistic about trying to trade for Mark Andre Fleury. And I know it's not what Leaf fans want to hear right now, because let's face it. I mean, the goaltending in past games has been, has been suspect to say the least. And um, I, I know that, I know that adding a goalie or a proven goalie would probably ease some of the, ease some of the pressure of uh, going into the playoffs because you need to have a, you need to get a save from your goalie. If you're, if you're uh, a playoff team, but I don't know. I just don't see any, I don't see any chance that this trade happens. I think there's too many, there's too many hurdles to overcome and uh, just doesn't make sense for all the hurdles that they would have to jump over. The report was from Mario Tiravasi from the CHGQ um, Twitter account uh, or CHGO uh, new Twitter account where uh, our, you know, nice and friendly uh, uh, former coworker Greg Boysen is at right now. Um, he was the one that reported that it was a Sportsnet interview with Sarah Valley talking about that deal. And I want to throw your opinions out there. If obviously they said that Hagel probably wouldn't be in discussions because uh, he has so much value, but if the return is great and you know how Chicago is kind of in that rebuild phase right now, wouldn't you want to get a really good return considering that you don't have a first round pick. And even if it is a later round one, take the best offer that you could get. 
I, for me, it'd be interesting because, I mean, you're talking about Chicago being a, a, in a rebuild stage and then you give up a guy like Hagel. Uh, it doesn't just it, – it really doesn't fit, like Alex was saying. I, I think, like, if you're going to give up a guy like Hagel, your return's going to have to be pretty good. And and already you're asking the Blackhawks to eat up salary, potentially, in a Marc-Andre Fleury mm-hmm. deal. You're going to give up, uh, you know, at least a first-round pick, likely a, a top-end prospect as well. Uh, and then to add Hagel in there, I, I just don't think the return for the Leafs right now is not realistic if you want to maintain the pipeline that you have. And and if I'm the Leafs, I'm not giving up my future to, you know, for the possibility of a of a getting past the first round in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also yeah. yeah the their offense like okay I would l- let me let me be clear right now if the Leafs went out and they added like a Travis Konechny or a Thomas Hurdle or a JT Miller or something like that I would be ecstatic. Because adding another dynamic forward to that top six would be amazing. But at the same time, I really don't see their defense needing a, a, a crazy upgrade this year. I think if the Leafs left their offense alone, then – did I say offense or defense before? I, I think I meant to say offense. You started with offense, you went to defense, now you're back yeah, to I, <laughs> Yeah, I – fuck, I don't know. Too many positions going around in my head right now. But I, I say that as if there's more than two positions. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I just I, – like I said, I'd be fired up if the Leafs traded for a top six forward or someone dynamic like that. But most of their upgrades, I think, lie on defense. I, I don't think the Leafs need to do too, too much and uh, to upgrade their forward core. And like you said, I mean, Hagel would probably cost a lot. And then you got to factor in that the Blackhawks don't want to move him too. So if the Blackhawks have a guy that they don't want to trade and you're trying to pry this guy out of Chicago, you already know that you're going to be paying way more than you have to because they're going to drive that price up through the fucking roof. And if they don't get what they want, they're not going to trade for him. So I, between that and between, you know, MAF's salary and getting him like, I, yeah, I, I, I don't see how this trade fits in any way to be completely honest. I like what you said too, about, you know, you go out and get another dynamic forward, but where do they fit right down the lineup? Your problem's not on offense. Uh, mm-hmm. I think yeah. we've seen that pretty clearly with the goals that have been scored, you know, over the last week and a half. Um, the problem isn't on offense. Uh, and you're not going to take a guy like David Kampf out because he's, he's, your, he's your PK specialist. You're not taking Andre Kosh out when he's mm-hmm. healthy because he's, he's basically like a, a, you know, he's, he's a bomber just going down the, down the ice, putting his body on the line. Um, maybe, maybe a guy like Engvall, but even then, over the last week and a half, He's been He's maybe one of their most consistent players in terms yeah. of overall play. Um, so, and and I, you know, I'll agree with Peter that you don't want to take Robertson off that second line right now either. I mean, what he, him, and and JT and Nylander have been able to do. Um, I, I think he's fitting in very, very well if he can stay healthy. So that's 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 with it with Kasha out. So I, yeah, I just don't think it's realistic to think that the Leafs are going to go out there and get a forward. Um, for me, it's it's the back end and the goaltending, and I know we've talked about this. It seems like almost every episode, but there there's an issue there, and and I wonder I wonder more if it's a systematic issue rather than you know it's the goaltender's fault or it's the 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 defense's fault. Um, Peter, you mentioned that uh, last night's game, um, you know, of the four goals that were scored on Jack Campbell, he may have had a chance on the one, um, and, and realistically, I mean. I saw I saw a tweet today, and it was from uh, another Leafs podcast, all all day buds podcast, and they were just ripping into Jack Campbell again, uh, and that's that's where I've kind of separated myself because I'm like, you know what, like 
at the end of the day, I mean, he's going to have bad games and right now he's not mentally, he's not mentally in it. He's just, mm. you, you can see it. There was a glove save, I, I think against Buffalo or I forget what game it was. Anyways, there was a glove save where he, he just seemed kind of unsure. He looked in over at his glove after he made the save as if like, Oh my God, I got it. And yeah. and I was like that right there. He, he's mentally struggling. He's not, he's not confident in himself and that's what he needs to get back. Um, so Alex, I'm going to ask you, is it, is it a goalie problem? Is it a D problem or, or are we talking about a systematic problem where, you know, everything's kind of falling off the hinges here? Oh, Jesus, that's <laughs> such a heavy question. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say, I, I, I'm going to give you a two part answer here. I think if you're talking about the defense and the goaltending, um, I think the goaltending is the problem more than the defense. The defense has their breakdowns here and there, but let's face it, the Leafs have gotten some of the worst goaltending in the league since January 1st. And at that point, if you can't get a save, you could ice the defensive core of Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, and Jacob Slavin, for example. You can ice those four guys, and you're still going to be letting in five goals every game. If, you're, if your goalies are going out there and dropping an 800 save percentage every night, it's impossible to do much with that. So... I think uh, I, I think overall the issues are the the issues lie in the crease. When you talk about a systematic thing, and I kind of had this discussion with uh, shout out Dean, our uh, our editor at THW. I had a little bit of a discussion with him on Twitter about this. The systematic issues. He 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 told me that the systematic issues lied defensively, and I agreed in a sense, but. I think if there's a systematic issue with this team, it's not defense. It's just starting on time and keeping your foot on the gas the entire time. And how many times have we had this discussion about how the Leafs, you know, they played a great first period, but then they just took their foot off, off foot off the gas in the second and they had to claw back and win in the third, or they played a great first 40 minutes and then just didn't decided not to show up for the third period. Right. So I don't think that the Leafs have a, uh, have a, Syst- I'm sorry, systematic. Yeah, I don't think the Leafs have a systematic uh, issue on defense per se. I think they've got lots of forwards that are plenty capable of playing D. They just, the, the, if there's a systematic issue, it's, it's starting on time. So I'll get that out of the way. But more than anything else, I think between the defense and goaltending, the goaltending just has to be better. And when I say that, that's not to say that the defense never holds any of the blame. But I mean... You know, there, there's times when your goalie just has to make a save, right? And it's if you're at that point when all you need is a save from your goalie, then I think it's safe to say that your forwards and your defensemen are doing their job. And fact is, over the past two months, Campbell and Mrazek have not given me any confidence in either of them, really. I mean, I, I was saying this to a buddy the other day, Mrazek in the short term right now gives me more hope um, of being able to of being able to leg out a win because I think that he's a little more mentally put together than Campbell is right now. But long-term, Campbell's got to be the one that figures it out because he's played at an elite level this season. Mrazek has it. So it'd be a lot to ask of Peter Mrazek to all of a sudden find this Vezina caliber game, go out and put up a 920, 930 save percentage every single night. Um, I think that the least could ask Mrazek to be a good backup or a good 1B this year now that he's been healthy and he's been able to get into a rhythm. But... I don't trust either of them taking on number one duties right now. And I think that if either of them are going to get their game back, it's going to be Jack Campbell. But yeah, overall, I mean, I, I, I'm the biggest Jack Campbell fan of all the men. Like I, I want him to do well so badly. And I want, 
I, 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 I want him to figure it out, not just for his sake, but for the team's sake as well. Um, but yeah, there's, you got to call a spade a spade recently. He hasn't been able to make saves. Neither is Mrazek really. And uh, the Leafs just need to, they need to find a way to get out of this funk where they're playing uh, with 800 goaltending almost every single night, because you're not going to win too many games doing that. Um, I think there are certainly points where the Leafs defense could be better. Like you, you, you know, they, they make these defensive breakdowns. There were a couple of weak goals. Like you mentioned that game against uh, that game against um, how my Seattle last night. Um, Campbell, I, 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 I've been pretty tough on Campbell lately, but of those four goals, I would agree. Maybe he maybe only should have had one of those. Uh, I thought he made some big saves last night that he was uh, that he probably wouldn't have made a couple games ago, and so I think that's a good s- step in the right direction. And I hope that Campbell takes that game kind of with a grain of salt and says, "Okay, got the win, wasn't pretty, but this is something that I can build off of. This is something the team can build off of." And I think um, I think that's the best case scenario for the Leafs right now. You know, Duba said that he didn't. He, he I mean, albeit this was a couple weeks ago, he did say that. Uh, he trusted the Leafs goaltending. Um, you've got Elliot Friedman in his 32 thoughts piece saying that the Leafs aren't going to be trading for a goalie. Uh, I think that we're seeing this tandem for the rest of the season. And if that's the case, Jack Campbell's their biggest hope to, to uh, figure it out in the end. 19 goals over the first four games in March. That's what the Leafs have given up. A lot of them tip-ins, a lot of them bouncing off of players in front of the net. The reason I bring up the defense and the reason that there's a lot of questions surrounding the defense is their inability to clear the front of the net. And now, obviously, with the rules the way they are, you have to be very careful the way that you try to clear the front of the net. Any cross-check, any slash, all of a sudden you're down a man. But, Peter, is is the defense in part to blame for the, the, the woes in terms of their goals against recently because of their inability to clear the net and the tips that are happening in front of the net? Or are we kind of on the same page here with Alex where, you know, it comes down to goaltending and at the end of the day, Jack Campbell's that last last line of defense and he needs to get it done. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously you would like the goaltending to be a little bit more consistent. There's no doubt about that. Um, You know, we've all said that Campbell's got to be at his best. Morazic has got to be at his best. And yeah, they do need to make a save. But, you know, when you're looking outside of the crease, like you said, all these goals are based off deflections, weak coverage. They're not strong on the on their assignments. And they're in the shooting lane to block a shot, and then they leave the last second, and then it gives the goalie a panic last-second decision on how to make a save or get into position because they're panicking at that point. So it stems to the outside of the crease because of that fact. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote something about how the defense and the goaltenders need to find that collective effort. And you know, there were times where, you know, they, again, they were in those shooting lanes, goes off a stick and in. They weren't, you know, probably getting ready to block a shot. They weren't being committed to that to help their goaltender out. They want to help their goalie out. You got to do the right things outside of the crease. And that means being more physical and tying up your, your man, uh, blocking the shots, doing whatever you can to try and clear that puck out because, you know, that, that, that's been their downfall lately. And the fact that they're jumping out of the way last second, all that, it, it's starting to pile up. And I'm surprised that they haven't learned their lesson because it started happening around, you know, the Detroit Red Wing game, where that last period where it was a bunch of deflex, bad positioning. I, I know Campbell had, should have had at least two or three of those goals that were scored in that period. But 
you know, it's all starting to pile up right now. And I think they got to be more committed. They got to be aware and they got to be stronger. I mean, let's be realistic. I, I mean, um, you know, the one goal that should have happened, that should have happened, that Campbell maybe should have had a chance on was the first one with the Carson Susie goal. Um, Nick Robertson just got out of position and, you know, he left his man wide open for the rebound to get in there and take the shot. Um, again, probably should have had better coverage, but then you look at, you know, the, um, Jaden Schwartz goal that was tipped by Jeremy Lozon from the point, you know, there was weak coverage in front. There were two odd man rushes that went the other way that were the result of the second and third goals. The goalie could only do so much at that point. When you're giving up those odd man rushes, especially in that second period, who, who's to blame? I'm not going to blame the goalie because it's on the players outside of there that are leading to those odd man rushes because of those careless mistakes. And it's up to them to try and figure it out and help them out because if they don't, then the goalie's just going to be less a hang to dry. I'm, 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 I'm going to throw an idea out there because I, I, we saw Jack Campbell, and, and Alex, you said it, he played on an elite level to start the year. And it was, uh, you know, like lights out. We were talking Vesna. We were talking, you know, how, how great this guy has been um, for, the, for the Leafs. And all of a sudden now we're seeing that kind of, taper off and it's it's almost ever since Morazic came back and I, I'm curious what your guys thoughts are on this but having a capable 1B behind him and you know he did last year with Frederick Anderson but again Anderson was kind of in and out of the lineup with injuries having that capable guy that could come in and take his job I wonder how much of that plays into maybe not being as confident in yourself knowing that there's somebody right there to take the job away from you and realistically we talk a lot about in, in hockey having that battle in net having a guy that's going to come in and, and kind of push you to play your best but i'm wondering if it's having the the adverse effect on on uh campbell and saying like you know there's somebody here that could potentially take my job i i could be back to being you know an ahl goalie at some point um or or backing up in the nhl i i'm curious what your thoughts are on that I don't know. That's tough for, that's a little bit tough for me to buy into just because Campbell hasn't, it's not like Campbell really has like a, a huge track record of trying to maintain an NHL starting job. I know that this is like his third or fourth season, like combined with his years with LA being a backup, but let's be real. I mean, Campbell's stretch in 2020, 2021 was about as much of a Cinderella run as you can get that guy. Absolutely. Nothing could go wrong for that guy. And it was more of the same to start this year. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think I'd be able to buy into that a little bit more if there was, if we're talking about a guy that was like promised to be the starting goalie and was promised 60 out of 82 games. And, you know, he had these expectations to be a 60, a 60 game starter. And then, you know, uh, kind of prepared himself for that. And then when he saw this one B coming in to help him out, you know, then maybe, maybe he started to falter a little bit. I think I'd be able to understand it more if that was the case, but I mean, when Dubas signed Peter Morazic this offseason, he had to have known that there was going to be an idea that they were going to split starts here. And, you know, I could, I could maybe understand if it was one of those things where Campbell's getting into his own head and now he's starting to worry that with Morazic there that he's going to lose his job quicker. But I don't think that – I don't know. I, I don't think that that's something that I think would have worried him from the start. Maybe it's something in his, in his head right now. But I think Campbell knows just as much as everyone else that if he's the one that finds his game – and he's the guy that ends up getting it back, then he is going to be their guy down the stretch. I think I think he knows. I mean, you hear Mitch Marner 
And you hear all these Leaf players talk about him to the media so fondly. I mean, you heard Morgan Riley the other day, and this is after this game he started against Vancouver, when he was like, uh, well, when Jack Campbell's out there, he gives us a chance to win, and that's a real good feeling. I mean, obviously that hasn't really been the case for the past two months, but for the Leafs to go out there and say that to the media, I mean, I would think if anything that instills confidence in Jack Campbell, that makes him believe that he is still the guy. So I don't know. I, I could kind of see it maybe getting into his head a little bit, but I don't think it should be a huge worry for him just because I think that the Leafs have done enough to let Campbell know that if he can play at his top level, he is the guy and there's no replacing him. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. Like uh, the interview he did with uh, Sportsnet's Kevin Bieksa, uh, where, you know, he talked about his, his history of, uh, you know, mentally doubting himself when he first came into the league, he had all this pressure as being a, you know, a, a top pick in the draft and, um, you know, not living up to that. Now you're playing in basically the Mecca of hockey in the NHL. And all of a sudden you get that little bit of pressure on you. And I wonder how much of it makes him crumble a little bit. You know, you've got the media on you, you've got, you know, us podcasters jumping on the train as well. You've got the, the, the least Twitterverse, which is seemingly never positive. Um, and, and all of a sudden that, that puts a weight on your shoulders as well. It, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. And it's just something that kind of came up when I was looking at, uh, you know, the way he's been playing lately and, and looking at some of the saves that he was making in the, the, it was, it was just so apparent in the way that his conf, his lack of confidence was showing in the way that he was playing um, his movements, his side to sides, his, you know, getting down early. Um, it, it just, it seemed like everything that he had done early on this season and, and last, last season um, was falling apart. And uh, it, I just was thinking, well, what, what possibility could there be? What possible, what, what went wrong over that time? You know, he was going, it was hot going into the COVID break and, and all of a sudden you come back and he's, he's, he's not right. And it, it is just one of those things, right. That, you know, you kind of try and look at every Avenue that could possibly have gone wrong for him. You know what? The other thing that, sorry, not to cut you off there, Peter, but the other oh, thing no, I okay. want to throw out on my point real quick before we throw it over to you is that um, the other thing that kind of works against that, that idea right there is the fact that Mrazek has not done anything to show that he's a threat to take Campbell's job. I think that if Mrazek was coming out here and, you know, he was having incredible performances, stopping 35 shots, only letting in a goal or two every game, then I think maybe you'd be able to make that argument that Campbell feels the pressure and that's why he's starting to flake a little bit. But right now, neither, neither goalie is giving the Leafs a chance to win. So as far as I'm concerned, it's still so much Campbell's job for the taking. Um, I think that if Morazic was the one that was stepping up and, you know, fire, I won't say firing on all cylinders because that's what he tries to prevent. But if, if, Mur- if Morazic was the one that was stepping up and, you know, stopping pucks and keep giving the Leafs a chance to win, then you might be able to look at it and think, okay, maybe it's like a kind of a Jordan Bennington, Billy Huso sort of situation, like in, like in St. Louis, but uh, Morazic hasn't done anything to threaten Campbell's job. So I'm not sure why that would, I'm not sure why that would freak him out, but I do understand where you're coming from presenting that idea because it, it he did kind of start to falter once Morazic started getting regular starts, but nothing from those regular starts indicated that he'd be, that, 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 that he'd be taking his job. Yeah, you you kind of touched on what I was going to talk about, Alex, um, just because of the fact that, you know, he, Campbell's been in this situation before where, you know, last year, Frederick Anderson was a starter. He goes on that hot stretch because Anderson was dealing with injuries. And as soon as Anderson came back, Campbell was still playing well. And he had, I would argue that he had a better goaltender last year trying to steal his job back than Morazic this year. 
um, mainly because, you know, we've seen what Frederick Anderson was capable of. And even last year, I would argue that maybe Frederick Anderson was probably a better goaltender and we're seeing it this year right now with the team that's in front of him. So um, I, I, I do think that if there was any doubt in Campbell's mind, it would have happened at the beginning of the season, but he had all the confidence. And he, like whether Morazic was there or not, he had the confidence going for him. And to say that, you know, maybe it is a fact. I mean, obviously it, all, it always weighs on you. But if he was able to still hold the starter position last year with a better goaltender as the backup compared to this season, it's kind of hard to try and, you know, find that as an excuse kind of thing. I don't know, but I mean, it is a good valid point to bring up. It's just that two different goalies at two different ends of, um, you know, I don't want to say class or elite or stature or whatever, because both, both, I mean, Anderson had his struggles last year, but we're seeing that he's a, that's not a contender right now. And we saw that Mrazek last year was pretty good until, you know, Alex Nadolkovich started to take over as well. So is this a byproduct of Mrazek maybe he's trying to still fight his way through and maybe Campbell is just another obstacle for him? I don't know, but uh, that, that, that was just something that I was thinking. Yeah, no, I, again, just, uh, just a thought that kind of arose in watching his, his play, but um, we talk so much about the mentality of, of the position or, or just being a, a player altogether. Um, out following the 5-4 win against uh, Columbus this week, uh, Mrazek came out and said, a win's a win. And the... It, Peter, I, I guess I'm just wondering, is that kind of the mentality you want to have right now with, with the struggles that the Leafs are going through in net? to come out and say, you know, a win's a win. Is that, is that part of the problem? I would say so. I mean, when you come out and you say something like that, it kind of seems like, I don't want to say that your mindset isn't in the right place, but you're not committed to what you were before. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, post game, I think it was Matthews uh, against um, uh, Kraken I, I, that, that, that they just played, I think. I, I need to go back and double check. That he said, you know, yeah, we got the win, but we're still not satisfied. You know, still a lot of things to work on. If that's what Mrazek said, okay, fine. I can understand it. Yeah, you got the win, but, you know, you're still acknowledging that, you know, you still need to improve on aspects of the game. And let's face it, defensively, they really need to improve on that. You can't win by scoring six, seven goals a game and then have to give up four or five just to get that win. Um, it, it, it does bring in some mindset to the mentality, but I think, you know, you got a lot of players in there that are still trying to keep a positive mindset, but still knowing that they do have their flaws and they do need to work on it, but they got to fix it right now. I mean, you can't keep saying this post trade deadline in April heading into the playoffs and be like, yeah, you know, it's something we got to work on. Well, Time's running up, you know, playoffs are around the corner and you're still playing the same way during the stretch and you want to go into the playoffs hot. You don't want to play poorly. You don't want anything to go cold. Just like last season, you know, the offense was kind of up and down. Power play was cold, but they at least had some goaltending going for them. And Jack Campbell was playing really well. This year, it's kind of the opposite. Offense is firing, but now the defense is cold. So they really got to figure it together. But that mindset is, to me, it's got to change because when you say a win's a win, it seems like, oh, yeah, you know, no matter how we win, we're going to win. Not always the case. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in uh, Detroit and went up to put the little guy down for bed, and all of a sudden it's 10-7. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Alex, I mean, a guy a guy making f- nearly $4 million 
uh, and and this is the mentality that he has. Is that is that something you want to change right away, or is he just trying to you know is he just trying to give a a, a quick line for the for the media, trying to get them off their back a little bit? Um, I'm actually going to say the latter, and uh, you know it, it, it's kind of funny for me to be saying that because I the amount of times not only on this podcast but on Maple Leafs Lounge for the hockey writers. And uh, just other discussions about the Leafs with friends. The amount of time that I've gone back to that Jumbo Joe quote from 2021 where he said we're in first place, coach. The thing like what Mrazek said is something that you'd think would really, really not sit well with me. But at the same time, I think you got to compare the two situations there. If Mrazek said something like that when the Leafs were... I want to say the Leafs are on like a 5-10 game winning streak or something like that. And then he says a win's a win. After they get one, they probably didn't deserve. Then I, I might be a little concerned about that. But I think things have been going bad enough for the Leafs lately that he was probably just being completely honest. Just like, fuck, have you seen the games that we've had to play lately? Like, at least we got the two points. I can kind of understand where he's coming from. I think that as long as that doesn't become an issue and become like a, a systematic mindset this year for the Leafs, or systemic mindset, I guess you want to call it that, um, then, yeah, I think that'll be an issue. But as of right now, I think that the Leafs are probably just feeling a little bit overwhelmed after these recent stretch of games. I mean, it's been however many games right now where the Leafs came out with a lead and coughed it up and either, you know, didn't get it back or they got it back, but not in great fashion. I mean, I think I think that Kraken win – or, I mean, sorry, not the Kraken win. I think that win on Monday against Columbus is um, – it obviously isn't a win that you want to make into a habit and um, you don't want, you don't want quotes like two points or two points to become a consistent thing, but you know, the Leafs are coming off a three game losing streak at that point. They got two points right now. You know, people say the regular season doesn't matter, but I think the Leafs want to do everything they can to secure home ice advantage at the very least. So I think maybe, I think maybe he was just looking at it in that sense. Um, but yeah, obviously that's not something that you want to become a trend. Uh, you don't want the guys to you know be settling for getting two points every night like there's issues that have to be worked out but and the other thing too is that I think when Jumbo Joe said the relaxed were in first coach last year the issue at hand was more about their more about their you know the lack of Stanley Cup playoff habits if you want to call it that I think that the entire team even though nobody's talking about it right now I think the entire team understands right now that a lot of the reason why they're, why they're struggling is their goaltending. And that's something that can be fixed over time. That's not a systemic issue. So, yeah, I I don't know. Not something that you really want to hear your players say, but at the same time, I wouldn't look too much into it. Yeah, I think I think kind of going off of that is, you know, look at look at the Toronto media and the history they have of burying players, right? Like, um, you know, we this isn't the first time we've seen a player kind of speak their mind. Um, you know, Dion Phaneuf was known for doing that. Phil Kessel did that with Dave Fezchuk. That's, that's one of the, the best ones that I remember. Um, this guy's but, an idiot. He always yeah, says this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, I, I don't know for, for me, Peter Mrazek saying that like, yeah, it comes off bad. And I think out of context, it, it sounds a lot worse too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously on Twitter, that's like the one line you saw was that he said, you know, a win's a win. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, I think, he's just trying to say, you know what, guys, like, give us a break here. We're trying to work through things. And, and, and it, you know, we got the W we got the W and that's what matters right now. Let's keep climbing. Let's try and work on our issues and, and move on from that. Um, in saying that, like I said this to Peter, I think last week, I think this is the perfect time for them to go through these struggles 
because it's not too late in the year that you're going into the playoffs struggling, but you're also figuring out that there are some holes that need to be fixed right before the deadline. Um, and, and if you need to make a move, you make a move, but if you don't, and you can figure out these, these, these issues as a team, that's something that you can do as well. And you've got time to do that in the regular season. Look, the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. Uh, and, and I was the first one at the beginning of the year to say there's a potential that they don't make the playoffs. I did not realize that Rask was going to come back for three games, get injured, and mm-hmm. Boston was going to crumble. I, 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 like right now, they're top three in the Atlantic. Uh, they have a potential of even winning the Atlantic, which is, sounds crazy to me right now. Um, but still possible, th- still possible, and still the possibility that they get home ice advantage. I think right now they they'll pick up the two points however they can, and they'll work through those struggles as a team. Um, you know, you tweeted out a video, Alex, of, of um, I think it was Mark Masters who who sent it out originally, but it's it was the two goaltenders working on their side to side movement in in the in the net, and I mean it's something mm-hmm. as simple as that, right? Like it could be one little mechanic that's off with these goaltenders that are, that's allowing them to miss, you know, miss that big, big save to, to steal the game or stop a, a goal that might not be the best opportunity for the opposing team. So the issues are there. They're not going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And, and in a game like last night where, you know, Campbell made some big saves, he, he does need to walk away with his head held high and say, look, yeah. I still have the ability to do it. And you're going to make mistakes. I mean, how many years have we gone through with goalies letting that one week goal in basically every game? I mean, you yeah. can date it back to even Cujo and Ed Belfort. Like they, they allowed that one bad goal. Uh, Vesa Toskala. I mean, he was, he was good for two bad goals a game. Um, but, you know, there's a way to work through it. And I think that's, you know, they've got the right guys in place. They have, you know, um, you know, team therapist to, to work through the, the mental side of the game as well. And, and I think that's going to be big in, in trying to get these guys back on track. Forbes, this is off topic, but is your cat hanging out near you by chance? Yeah, I got two cats. I have two cats and a dog and the yeah. cats like can't be alone. And then I got, uh, I got my dog snoring beside me. Okay. That's what I was hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dude. His- okay. So at first I thought, I thought I was listening to my own stomach growl at first. I was yeah. like, what? I was like losing my mind and like inside my head. I was like, where the hell is that sound coming from? And, I, and then I thought it was your cat purring like into the mic. No, I'll, t- I'll tell you that that's the, that's the one thing about having a, a Frenchie is that, I mean, those little, those little flat face sounds, they can't, they, they can't breathe the best. So he's, he's passed out like right beside me, uh, just snoring away. So if you do Love hear that. that um yeah that's that's augie the doggy right there yeah augie the doggy he needs yeah. a snooze the official right. sticks in the six mascot that's right that's right i just um, think of hanna-barbera right now with augie doggy and doggy daddy or <laughs> no am i too old for that uh, alex, I, yeah i think alex is too young for that I, yeah uh, i think i am sorry i aged myself way too much the hanna-barbera the crew <laughs> yogi bear snagglepuss uh, i know yogi bear i know yeah, yogi there you go bear, that, that's, that's it. it hey boo boo uh anyways we'll see what we got in this picnic basket <laughs> Jesus, Peter and I uh, were locked in right there. The afternoon shows right there. Uh, hey, that's when the cartoons are on, boys. Oh, Saturday God. mornings and the afternoons after school. Uh, anyways, um, some positives from the Leafs. Robertson, as we mentioned, playing some incredible hockey on that second line with with Nylander and uh, and JT. We've seen JT kind of get it going in the last uh, last couple games. Um, not that he was ever on a cold streak. I, I said it from the beginning. 
but idiots out there saying that he wasn't on a cold or that he was on a cold streak. I mean, like <laughs> well, he was on a cold streak. What are you talking about? Shake yourself, shake yourself. <laughs> um, but uh, first, first regular season goal, and and he's looked, he's hasn't looked out of place. <clears throat> Alex, uh, what have you seen from Nicholas Robertson? Is he going to be the guy that turns into what we expected him to? Well, I don't know if he's going to be the guy that turns into what we expect him to, but at the same time, I think it's. Uh, I, I think he's been put into a good opportunity and I think he's making the most of it. Um, you look at the second line and that, that second line with Kerfoot, Tavares and Nylander Kerfoot was, I don't want to say overstaying his welcome because he wasn't really doing bad, but you could tell that the offense definitely dried up for him on that second line after a little bit. And, you know, Robertson's a guy that I don't know if I'd want him being on the second line for an entire season, but at the same time, I think that, at this point, he's a guy that you can certainly get away with giving an opportunity just to see what he makes of it. And I mean, in what, like the three games he's played on that first line, he's got a goal. He was on the second power play unit yesterday. And you know what? I actually don't understand why Dubas didn't earn up like Dubas. I guess it wasn't his call. I don't know why Keith didn't have um, Robertson on the second power play unit from the get go. I mean, you know, not, I would have, I probably would have put him on the power play before I would have put him on the second line. And that's not to say that he shouldn't be on the second line, but you know, when you've got a young player like that, where you don't, you, you know, you don't, he doesn't have too, too much NHL experience, but you know that he's got one weapon and his weapon is a shot. I mean, the Leafs had Pierre Engvall on the second power play, you know, for the better half of the season and no disrespect to Engvall, because like you guys have said, he's played some great defensive hockey lately, but is he really a guy that you want on your power play? with the offense that the Leafs have, I think that, I think that it was, uh, it, it was an opportunity sitting right there to have Robertson on the second power play unit. And while he didn't score, um, I think he's a guy that could put up some points on the power play eventually. I know the second unit doesn't really get too, too much airtime as opposed to the first unit, but um, yeah, I, 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 in the end, I don't know why anyone would complain about having Robertson up on that second line or, uh, you know, giving him a minute, giving him an opportunity on the power play. I mean, you've got a guy, you've got some injuries and then you've got a guy who's um, kind of been on the cusp of making this roster for a while now. And I think you've got to give him an opportunity and see what he does with it. You know, it's only been th- uh, three games or whatever it's been so far. And uh, maybe four games actually by now. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Six. S- six? Has six it been games. six already? Six games. Yeah. He he made his debut or his regular season debut against that ten uh, seven debacle. Oh gee, oh sorry, sorry. Okay, my bad. I I, I <laughs> fucked that up. Three games on the second line is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Not three games in general. Yeah, because the other three games, like you, they're putting him on the fourth line mm-hmm. and playing him like seven minutes a night. Like nothing's yeah. gonna. You're not gonna get anything out of that. But yeah, um, you know he's the type of guy who. You know he wants to make an op- He wants to make the most of an opportunity. He wants to prove the Leafs that he should be on. Prove to the Leafs that he should be on the team full time. And uh, I think he's on the right. He's on the right track right now. He's not really doing anything in my eyes to like. You know he's not really running away with the job per se. But I think he's been more than capable so far. So, Peter, your your thoughts on Nick Robertson's play thus far in his uh, six games, as as you kindly pointed out. Um, and, and what he's been able to do, not just elevating his game to play at that level, but also playing with JT and uh, Nylander as well. Yeah, I, I, like Alex said, I think Alexander Kerfoot wasn't necessarily overstaying his welcome in that top six role, but the consistency was just starting to dry up offensively. Um, Nick Robertson does what Alexander Kerfoot can do, and he has that offensive tendencies and mindset to, you know, still be a factor in the offensive zone. Um 
you know, I, I, I he, he provides a really great spark and a great, you know, um, energy to that line. And he gives him, he, he gives him life. Um, too many times, I think down the stretch or before he got put into that position, um, plays were just dying down. There was the chemistry was off, but he, he, he fills that void and he does it a, just maybe a little bit better than uh, what Kerfa can do. Um, you know, still, still small, a smaller player does, isn't the biggest or doesn't have a lot of strength. He still needs to work on that, but he does show that he can hold his own getting the extra minutes, getting the extra time. And I, with his speed, his energy, his ability to go and set and establish a four check, it's absolutely amazing. And even w- w- I, I just talked about his skating, the speed that he has, especially in transition, he could just blow by you in a sample. We see how that um, two on O or two on one against the Columbus Blue Jackets, where, you know, that, that could have easily been another goal because of his willingness to jump up into the rush, use an active stick and break plays up. So I think he's doing that really well. And the fact that he's on the power play, I, I, I agree with Alex too. Maybe it was time to take Engvall off or take another player off because, um, it, you know, it just wasn't working out because I think mostly it was always Spezza or Bunting or even McKay at that time getting the power play goals. And Nick Robertson has better shot selection. He has a better awareness of, what, of where to get into the lane, where, when, and, when and how to shoot. Um, Engvall just seemed to be very hesitant with that. Um, I, I think the fact that now that he's getting that top six minutes, he's getting some power play time out by small, but Hey, it can work out because if he's getting, uh, if there's a shift where, you know, Matthews and Bunting and Marner and the Marner line are, you know, just on right now and there's a penalty and there there's, you know, two key pieces <coughs> of your top uh, power play unit, maybe you could go to the second unit and try and work something in there. And then you have Nick Robertson on there with a shot, his speed to try and get into the lanes. I think it's going to work out great. And I think he's doing well so far. Um, you know, he, he just needs it again with time. He's going to get better and better. And we're seeing that game by game and it, it won't be long before I, before I think maybe, Hey, he, this is maybe this is the deadline top six acquisition that they really needed, even though that the production isn't there. Uh, Wayne Simmons, thousand thousand games for for the Wayne train and uh it was uh obviously had the ceremony the the silver sticks for his kids which was a great little touch uh just I mean I got chills watching it um you know seeing his mom down there his wife down there the kids uh just just how proud he was to to have to reach that milestone with Toronto uh being a Scarborough boy um Peter, your thoughts on Wayne Simmons so far with the Leafs and just all around what he's been able to do over his uh, phenomenal career. I mean, it's a shame that obviously you still would have loved to see the Wayne Simmons be the power forward, 30 goal, 60 type player that he was in the prime of his career. But let's face it, you know, the game changes. Um, he, he, he now knows what his place is in the lineup right now. He knows he's not that kind of player anymore, but he's there to be, very vocal, provide the leadership presence and be, you know, a role model for everyone on the team. That's exactly why he was brought in here. That's exactly why they resigned him. And this is why the team loves him. You know, you even hear the comments uh, from Drew Doughty, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, everyone giving their, you know, praise to Simmons for what he was able to accomplish over career. is just absolutely inspiring that, you know, playing 1000 games in the NHL is no easy feat. I mean, he, yeah, he spent a lot of it in the, in the top six role, but at the same time, he still managed to play a lot of games in that bottom depth role, you know, third or fourth line. Um, we're seeing that right now. And he still got a lot of pep in his step. He still got a lot of game left and a lot left in the tank because 
you know, he, 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 he is a factor. If people are going to say, Oh, you know, um, you know, only, only what five goals, 10 points. That's not enough for Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, on a team like this, he knows that even Jason Spezza, they know what their role is. They're veteran players. They know they want to be here for in the long run and be a role model for everybody. And he's doing just that. And even here, Willie O'Ree with his, you know, commitment to, you know, his work outside of the rink and being the role model for everyone to try and get everyone more involved with the game. It's absolutely inspiring. And um, I'm just absolutely thrilled that he's a Maple Leaf and he chose Toronto as one of his destinations because he definitely provides all those intangibles that you can't find anywhere else. And he does it so well. And he's well-respected you know, with his peers, teammates, whatever. Um, it's absolutely great. And I'm just, I, I'm absolutely thrilled for him that he was able to reach this mark and get the 1000 games. And like you said, the mini six of the kids, I mean, that was just absolutely, uh, you know, it, it, t- it tugs at your heart a little bit, you know, getting them involved. And you see his daughter too, how excited she was and he's holding her waving to the crowd or like the jumbotron and everything. And, you know, that's just who Wayne Simmons is family, man, great person, great teammate. What else can you say? Not just mini sticks, but silver, silver mini sticks. sticks, Sorry. sorry, I'll I'll correct myself. Yeah. (laughs) What's uh, what's crazy is like, I forgot at one point uh, I'm working on a little piece about his, his 1000 games. And uh, I, I forgot that he had had a stop in Nashville, to be honest. I I knew New Jersey. I knew Philly. I knew uh, the LA Kings. I completely forgot about Nashville. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing, seeing the video tribute to him and what he's been able to do over his career. Um, you know, this is a guy who had hands, like he was, he was a solid power forward yeah. at the prime of his career. Uh, and, and I think back to the Philly days, but, um, Alex, what are your thoughts on Wayne Simmons now? And the fact that, you know, this is a, this is a guy who's been able to grind it out for a thousand games at the NHL level. First of all, uh, do you remember his Buffalo Sabres stint? Very briefly. Yeah. Very, <laughs> he played very what, briefly. Like, I think he played, what, like eight games for the Sabres? Yeah. In 2019, brief, a stint with the Predators. Yeah. That's tough. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think back to when Wayne Simmons signed his extension this summer, and he said that the main reason he wanted to come back is because he didn't feel like he got the full experience out of Toronto. Obviously, last season they were playing without fans. And – you know, he said that he wanted to be able to skate over to the glass and see his daughter in the stands wearing a Simmons jersey and have his family out cheering him on and stuff. And when he said that, it really, you know, kind of reminded me what kind of guy he is. And I, I, I think more than anything else, if nothing else, he's a fantastic human being. And I think the Leafs are just lucky to have him in their organization, you know. Um, you, you, you made a good point earlier, Peter, in saying that he recognizes his role on the team. Now he's not expecting to get top six minutes or anything like that. He's, he's a guy that, you know, the Leafs have used in the top six role before he, you know, he'll play wherever the coach tells him to. Uh, I, I'm sure down the stretch, if the, if the Leafs decided they had to give him a night off a couple extra nights off every now and then, I'm sure that he wouldn't put up a fight about it. He's here for two years after all. And, um, I think it's just, it, it's great to have a guy like Simmons in the locker room, in the community, and uh, representing the blue and white. I don't really have too, too much else to say about him uh, that you guys haven't already said. So uh, yeah, congratulations to Wayne Simmons on a thousand games. Cause uh, it's, it's a hell of an accomplishment. And um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a very valuable player uh, on the personal level for the Maple Leafs. 
Yeah, I mean, you saw it in the video. You saw it with the way his teammates talk about him. I mean, obviously a guy that's well-liked around the room. You saw JT talk about, like, um, you know, him being kind of a, the lighter side of hockey. And what came to mind when when I saw that was that, you know, obviously with what JT went through um, in the playoffs last year um, and, and Wayne was, uh, you know, he was on the ice and he was kind of shouting at him and, and um, you know, just – what a guy like that would mean in the dress room after going through something like that and having a guy that, you know, can remind you that there is a lighter side to hockey as well. And, and, and Simmons just seems like that down to earth family guy that just wants to, you know, provide for his family. And, and uh, I think that's what I love about him so much. And um, just to kind of roll out some stats at you here as well, a thousand and two games now at the NHL level, regular season, 262 goals and 522 points and 1,221 penalty minutes. Uh, it's a tough customer, a tough customer. He's, he has been, has been his entire career, still doesn't back down from anybody. Um, and, and as you said, Peter, what's, what's crazy is this guy's the same age as me. So um, yeah. I'm sitting here in my basement doing a podcast. He's out there grinding and, and you know, <laughs> throwing down the mitts with, with whoever's going to, whoever wants to, to take him on. So um also worth noting, he's one of five black players to reach a thousand games at the mm-hmm. NHL level. Donald Brashear uh, played a thousand twenty-five, Trevor Daly a thousand fifty-eight, Mike Greer a thousand sixty, and of course the Hall of Famer Jerome McGinley at fifteen fifty-four. So, hell of a hell of a crowd to join there uh, if you're Wayne Simmons. And um, yeah, I mean, congratulations to the Wayne train on on reaching that milestone, and and hopefully he's got another another bunch in the bag as he uh, continues to push through with the blue and white. Um, I mentioned the Hall of Fame with Jerome McGinley. Peter and I were kind of talking off off camera earlier about uh, Austin Matthews and how how legitimate this guy is when it comes to the potential of being a first ballot Hall of Famer with or without a cup. Um, his scoring touch is, is beyond beyond measure at this point. Uh, I believe right now he's on on pace to have the best goals per uh, best goals per game over the last twenty five years, uh, and he sits second tied with uh, Ovechkin um, uh, during a previous season as well. So, um, Alex, I'll throw it to you first. Austin Matthews, what can you say about this guy over the last little while? First of all, shout out to the guy that I saw in Leafs Twitter the other day when someone asked, is Austin Matthews the best Leaf in history? And the guy responded with, it's Matt Sundin until Austin Matthews wins a cup. I saw that. It's like, oh, okay. okay. Sure. Okay. I, I, I like Matt Sundin, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't, all I don't those, think it's a debate right yeah, now. All those Stanley Cups that Matt Sundin won in Toronto, eh? Yeah. 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 Matthews needs to win a cup before he can be a real winner like Matt Sundin. No disrespect to Matt Sundin either. He's yeah. one of my first favorite players. But, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I tweeted this this morning that when the Leafs drafted Austin Matthews, obviously I was ecstatic. I got more fired up, I think, for during that draft lottery than I did over any goal that the Leafs scored in, in that series against Boston in 2013. Just, I, I just use that as an example because they were kind of within a couple years of each other. But, you know, when, when the Leafs won the lottery and drafted Matthews, I was part of me was a little bit worried because I was so used to the Leafs just turning everything that they touched to, to shit to garbage. And I was so worried that, you know, the Leafs are going to get this franchise number one center, He's going to start off. He's going to struggle a little bit. He's not going to work in Toronto. Fans are going to blame the market and say, oh, Toronto ruins everyone. He's going to go sign with another team and kill it. 
I am so happy now to say that I genuinely believe that I am watching the best hockey player I've ever seen for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I, you know, that's a little bit of an easier statement for me to make because I started watching in the days when, you know, the Leafs still had fucking, they had Darcy Tucker and Kyle Wellwood on their top line and no, uh, no disrespect to Darcy Tucker either. He's my favorite Leaf of all time or one of my favorite Leafs of all time. But uh, yeah, I mean, to see what Matthews has been able to accomplish, you know, I kind of saw Matt Sundin on the tail end of his career with the Leafs. I started watching it, I want to say, like 2005, 2006. So I kind of saw him during his last couple of years of Toronto. Austin Matthews is the first player I've ever watched who I can trust. Well, if the game's out of hand, the Austin Matthews will do whatever he can to try and change the game around on his own. He is the one the guy that I've been able to watch suitor up for the Toronto Maple Leafs since I started watching, who I trust to go out there and make a difference every single shift. You know, and especially now over these past couple of years, how much he's improved his defensive game. He's grown a little bit more into his, into his figure. I mean, he's just capable of doing so, so much. And then I always forget the fact that he's not even in his prime yet. He's like, what, 24 years old? Like we're talking about a guy who's got at least another 15 years ahead of him in this league. And it's, it's going to be absolutely insane to see what he can accomplish. Um, you know, if we wanted to do a, if we wanted to do a segment and talk about Austin Matthews all day, we could probably sit here until like five o'clock tonight. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pass it along to Peter, but yeah, um, such an incredible player. Um, just absolute privilege to be able to exist at the same time as Austin Matthews. You recently released a, an article uh, talking about how Austin Matthews could go for the heart, the Selkie, as well as the Rocket Richard this year. Um, you know, take it away. Talk to us about how he can he could be a, a, an all around award winner this year for the Maple Leafs. Well, I, I I'm just gonna say that the Rockets a given. I mean, he's on pace for 62. He's already expanded his goal lead by five. Um, over Leon Dreisaitl. He's at 43 right now. Dreisaitl's at 48. And even so, in terms of goals per game in their career, I, I, I just lost I lost the page. Um, career goals per game. Austin Matthews is fifth overall with 0.624 behind four Hall of Famers. Mike Bossy, Mario Lemieux, Saeed Denany, and Babe Die. Um, obviously, you know, with Diane Denenny, obviously there, that was in the early stages of the league in, you know, the night, like 1917 to 1929 for Denenny and 1919 to 31 for Babe Die. But Bossy and Lemieux are like pinnacle top tier greats of the game. Um, and, and, you know, for Matthews to be in that conversation in the top five ahead of Pavel Bure, ahead of Alex Ovechkin, ahead of Wayne Gretzky, says a lot. I mean, that, 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 that's just where I'm at with the Rockets. Rocket is his, no doubt. Um, in terms of the, the Selkie, I mean, you want a player who's – when you think of the Selkie, you think of Kopitar, O'Reilly, all these Bergeron. guys are strong two-way games. Sorry? I just said Bergeron. Bergeron, yeah, yeah, no, you, you, yeah, I can't believe I left him out. Um, <laughs> okay. Wow, um, it, it, it's it, it's amazing how much of an like we talk about his offensive game, but his defensive game is just as well versed. And I don't think there's anyone that could provide the high end and high level offense that he can, um, as well as be a strong fixture defensively. I mean, I I 
it's it's hard to imagine that and you see him being able to get into the lanes block shots um you know he has he has 40 block shots out of the players ahead of him in terms of points Dreisaitl, McDavid and Huberto Dreisaitl only has 14 McDavid 20 and Huberto 21 Matthews has 40 he has no problem getting into the lanes he has no problem being a factor in his own end he wants that puck. He's going to do whatever he can to try and break everything up and get it on his stick. That's just how dynamic he is, and that's just how well he, he works. And in terms of the heart, I mean, you looked at the heart last year and McDavid with his 100-point season in 50 games. Yeah, okay, that, that, that deserves some heart consideration because that's really impactful. But you look at some of the play, you look at the players right now, aside from Huberto, who's – who's, uh, Panthers are first place overall at this point. Um, you look at the impact that McDavid and Dreisaitl are having. Yeah, they're putting up the points, but where is Edmonton located? They are in a dogfight for that second wild card spot, and they're three points back at the Dallas Stars. When you think of someone who's more who's most valuable to their team, are you going to give it to Matthews, who's being a two way threat? scoring key goals at key moments to get his team to win, even when they're bad defensively, who's in a playoff picture, or are you going to give it to McDavid or Dreisaitl who are, you know, one, two in scoring, but are well outside of a playoff picture at this point. Worth, worth noting too, Huberto, uh, look at his secondary assists as well. Uh, a lot of yeah. his points coming on off of secondary assists. So not to take anything away from what he's been able to do because he has been a force for Florida, I hope Alan um, Walsh doesn't listen to this. I know, I know. That's okay. We'll get you on, Alan. Alan, come on and and defend uh, Huberto. But uh, no, I'm just kind of going off that point because there's been a lot of conversation around the heart um, and and how it's the most valuable player. It's not just based on on points alone. And and I do agree that I agreed last year when McDavid and and Drysaddle were at the top and and Edmonton wasn't the top team. you look at Dreisaitl prior to, to, uh, to McDavid coming in. I mean, this has been a conversation on Twitter over the last week and a half. Yeah. Is, is Dreisaitl a better goal scorer than McDavid or Matthews? Absolutely not. Um, th- does he have the, like, look at their power play points versus what Matthews able, is able to do at five, or five on five. Mm-hmm. Look at, look at uh, five on five goals over the last, I think it's what, three weeks. And it's the top three guys are Matthews, Marner and Bunton in the league. Those are your top three guys at five, five versus five goals. Um, and, and a lot of that comes off of Matthew's ability to play inside the off- offensive zone. Um, Toronto uh, at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of conversation whether, whether <laughs> they can do it with Campbell as their starter. And we've seen the struggles now. We've seen the struggles on the back end, the inconsistencies on the back end. And still there, we're talking about a team that could potentially win the Atlantic division. Um, and this is going to be a take that I know a lot of people are, are going to disagree with, but here's my reasoning why for me, Igor Shesterkin is not your heart trophy winner. And it's because I, I'm treading very Careful. lightly because I know there, I like, I know I will never be able to step foot near Madison Square Garden ever for this comment. <laughs> Are his numbers out of this world? Absolutely. As a 26-year-old to be putting up a 193 <laughs> goals against a 942 save percentage, I mean, the, the save percentage alone is, is I believe, second 
second best first season um, uh, since since they started recording the stat. Yeah, since um, Jacques Plante. Since Jacques Plante uh, with the, with the Maple Leafs. Um, that with said, the Habs, you mean? Was it with the Habs? <laughs> what what did it have been? Maybe it wasn't. No, I, I think I think it was with the Leafs. I think it was the with was the it? Leafs. Somebody look that up while I'm going I'm on doing my that right now. So um, nine, yeah. I mean, his numbers are are unreal. Twenty eight, six and three. That said, we'll have. Are to we talking it. about? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Are we talking That's about right. Jacques Plante's save percentage? Save percentage. Yeah. He had a nine forty two with the Maple. Yeah, Leafs it was with 70, the Leafs. Seventy one. Who's with the Leafs? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to try That's and right. shut. That's right. Call, call <laughs> yell, call yell like that on the pod, Forbes. Plus That's one, boys. Bad. Plus one. I'll take. I'll take the. I'll, I'll, I'll take the L here and walk away. <laughs> but going off of Shosturkin here, I I, I want to say this because I've been I've been kind of bawling my mind. New York's having a hell of a season. Um, but again, you do have a guy that you're talking about in potentially a, a, a Norris conversation in Adam Fox. You do have a guy on the team, uh, who, who's having a career year in goals and Kreider. So to be, to say he's the only reason that they are where they are is, is a load of shit. Um, he's part of, he's part of a, a team that has excelled in ways that maybe weren't expected going into the year and his numbers, because they are unreal does raise, you know, his name in the conversation when we're talking about Hart. That said, he's played 37 games. Okay. Um, you're, Matthews has gone out there for what, 52, 53 games, 53, yeah. 53 games. And, and as Alex pointed out, he's been maybe one of the lone pieces of consistency throughout the year for the Leafs. Um, he's, he's on track to have a, possibly another 60 goal season, uh, possibly, you know, have a career best in points um, and has done so much at five on five that, I mean, since coming into the league, I think he's number one at five on five points. Um, that, that to me is more valuable than any, any goaltender that's playing, you know, at the end of the season, we're probably talking about 45 games for Shesterkin. That's, that's where I'm at. And it's not to take anything away from what Igor Shesterkin has done this season. Yeah. He has been lights out. He has been a huge piece of that New York Rangers team, but 37 games right now compared to 52 games and playing at the consistency level that Matthews has. I think that for me takes it. And that's, I, I'm not just saying it because we're a leaf podcast. I know I'm going to get fucking crucified for this shit, but I'm telling you it has nothing to do with him being a leaf. It has everything to do with the fact that the, the, the click that he's scoring at right now uh, is, is historical as well. That, if it makes you feel better, didn't Dregs and Odog pick Austin Matthews to win the MVP did. during the quiz yesterday? Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, so they, they, they I was, I was you're, you're, you're safe, Forbesy. I was two for three in my predictions there. I, I, I predicted that Odog was going to pick Matthews. I predicted Poulin was going to take McDavid. And I predicted, or I, sorry, uh, Poul, I predicted Poulin was going to take Shesterkin. And then I predicted that Dragger was going to take McDavid. And I was, I was two for three. I got the first two right. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I see where you're coming from, Forbes, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think there is a lot of merit to what you're saying, but the one thing that still kind of like gives – give uh, I, you know what? If I sat down right now, now and you forced me to pick one between Matthews and and I'd probably be sitting here going back and forth for the next six hours because you can make a strong case for either of them. The only counterpoint that I have to what you just said about Chesterkin is, you know, the award is the most valuable player. 
And, you know, you are right that the, the Rangers do have other pieces like Fox and Kreider and all of them that can keep them afloat should Shesterkin go down with an injury. But I feel like that if the Rangers were to go the rest of the season without Shesterkin and the Leafs were to go the rest of the season without Matthews, I think the Rangers would hurt a lot more because the Leafs have been the, the Leafs have been kind of notorious in recent in, well not in recent years like just throughout his career and even this year they've been notoriously good in games where they're missing Austin Matthews you know he takes he takes a couple games off last year the Leafs have a great way of having their their other guys step up Tavares will step up and score Matthew or not Matthews uh, Marner and Nylander will score I just it's 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 a really tough conversation to have because I think I also saw a stat saying that in the 18 games or whatever it is that uh, Alexander Georgiev has started for the Rangers this year. I think they're eight and 10 or something like that. And their record is lopsided when they've got Shesterkin starting. So I think that's the one thing that Shesterkin has going for Matthews. You know, the award is most valuable player. And I think Shesterkin's probably a little more valuable to the regular season success of the Rangers than Matthews is to the Leafs. But you are right. You, you make a good point that, you know, Shesterkin's only playing 37 games and they've got other pieces as well that can, that, that would keep them afloat. But I don't know. I feel like the Rangers would have a harder time without Shesterkin than the Leafs would without Matthews. That's just me though. Yeah, I'm not, I'm no, not no, gonna... I, I, I was about to say I agree, but just to go on your point about uh, Georgiev, 7, 9, and 2, 315 goals against, 893 save percentage. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, there, there is a discussion to have about Shesterkin. Yeah, and, and look, I, I don't want to discredit anything that you're saying because I, I do agree that Shesterkin has been absolutely lights out. I think the Rangers, I mean, to, to, to realize what they have in him and play him the way they have this season, I think that's – you know, it's very opportunistic and I, and I think it's, it's, it's key to their success moving forward. I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise one more question. I, do you think Michael Bunting is in the conversation for, for Calder without Austin Matthews? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think he would be in that conversation because you looked at where he was at the beginning of the season, where maybe he was in that second or third line role. He was getting points, but you know, it maybe was, I'm going to have to go back and look at the splits for Michael Bunting. I don't think it was that great, but ever since he came onto that top line with Matthews and Marner, he's been lights out. Um, so here are the, here, here are the splits for Bunting. Um, five points in nine games in October, nine points in 14 games, or sorry, five points in nine games in October, 14, nine in 14 in November. Jesus. Um, <laughs> So at that point in 18, in 13 games, no, 23 games, I cannot count, 23 games, he had about 14 points. I don't know. I, I need to go back specifically when he was put back onto the top line, but uh, five points in seven games in December, obviously the COVID uh, situation had a, had a say in that as well. Eight points in 11 games in January, 14 and 12 in February, and five and four games in March right now. So you do start to see, a, depending on when he actually went up with Matthews and Marner, you do start to see that increase in production. But it's not to say that, I mean, again, I would put Zegris, Raymond, and especially Mo Sider, he's going to be my pick, ahead of Bunting mainly because of the fact that they're carrying on teams that maybe didn't have a chance and you're seeing their true potential. 
But, you know, the fact that Bunting is, you know, now leading in points and leading in goals, I mean, you do have an argument, but I just don't see it. Uh, I, I, I think that maybe it's got to go to someone that's actually more valuable than what they are at this point. And I think most Sider, Raymond, and Zegers, and even Anton Lundell, um, even though Florida Panthers is going to be contradictory to what I said, because Panthers are first and Lundell is, you know, putting up on a, is going on a hot streak right now. So um, I, I, I would like to, okay. The un, the biased fan in me wants to say, yes, I want Bunting to win the call. Unbiased and realistic. No. I, I, I don't think Bunting wins the Calder. I, I, I believe Mo Sider's going to win the Calder. I, I, yeah, yeah. I truly do. I, I, think, think, I think Bunting's unanimous. not even in the conversation if, if Matthews isn't in that lineup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What he's been able to do with the players that surround him, I truly believe that he's been valuable a valuable asset in that sense. I also wanted to say that um, it, it is worth noting that Shesterkin, so the, the, the uh, NHL's Average goals against was 9-11, I believe, a week ago. Seven of his 37 games at this point have been below 9-10 in terms of save percentage. So just just something worth noting as well. Trailing off just a tad bit. I mean, I saw... Still good, but... Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's, it's completely like... I'm not... Again, I'm not taking anything away from what Alex is saying. I I think the argument's there for Shesterkin. I think this is a two-horse race right now. Mm -hmm. I I really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I actually saw a ridiculous, stupid stat the other day where it was like if Igor Shesterkin finishes a game with like a save percentage of like 930 or something like that, his save percentage went down on the season. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that just speaks volumes about how good he's been this year. It's, it's insane. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. But it, it is, to your, to your point, Peter, I don't believe Michael Bunting wins the uh, Calder unless he goes on some crazy run at the tail end here and yeah. is able to really run away with the points. I think Lucas Raymond is a close second to Mo Sider. I even have money on Mo Sider. I've had it on him for about a month now that yeah. I, I believe that he'll he'll take home the Calder just because of what he's been able to do in Detroit. I mean, yeah, you're looking at a guy who's, you know, Stevie Y essentially picked out him thin air. Yeah. Um, and, you he know, got, he's already he got, got the criticized size. for that pick. He was supposed time. to be a mid-rounder, like in that 15, 18, 20 range. My biggest, my biggest non-Leafs flex in the hockey world is that I knew how I knew how good Mo Sider was going to be from the oh, start. Yeah. I wanted the Leafs to pick him up in the mid-first round when they still had their 25th overall pick or whatever it was in that draft. And then, uh, wait, was it? Yeah, it was 2019. So yeah, they ended up trading it anyways. Doesn't matter. But um, I wanted the Leafs to pick him when he was still ranked as a mid-first rounder. And then when Detroit took him sixth overall, I was like, that's a steal. That is an absolute steal right there. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's got he's what six three. He's 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 on pace to finish with like sixty points or something like that. He's physical. He's good defensively. Like this guy is already he's already filling in like a Victor Hedman role for his team, which is insane. So yeah, I uh, I, I I personally I, I I entertain the Bunting for Calder talk, and you know if Bunting wins the Calder, obviously I'm going to be the first one cheering in the streets because I'm a huge Bunting fan. But <laughs> at the same time, I I. I when it comes to the Calder race, and I've said this all year long, I think the the, the list is most cider, massive gap, everybody else. So, yeah, no, I, like I'm right there with you guys. Um, I think I think that does it for our, our leaf talk. I don't know if you guys had anything to add before we could quickly move on here. I just want to add, if you were to redo 2019 the draft, you're probably looking at most cider being second overall. 
That's that's a fair I, that's a fair assessment. I think I mean that's what I love about going back and looking at some of these drafts is is realizing the potential that these guys had and what you know some of us sat back and criticized the picks. Yeah, because you look at Jack Hughes right now. Jack Hughes is you know he he's starting to heat up, and you're you're probably looking at oh, but his rough start in New Jersey. Yeah, well you know what New Jersey brought him in kind of rushed him but you know what if he were they were to send him down he would just be dominant at that level he had the elite level talent to be in the nhl they're seeing that right now and now cider is i believe in second in points or no not points i i screwed something up big time um yeah uh he is seventh in overall points and, you know, there's been players like Nils Hoglander, Dylan Cousins, all those Capo Caco played more games than him, and most siders already up there. So I, I think if you're looking to do that draft again, maybe Hughes, Sider, Zegers, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd say that. Speaking of the draft, boys, uh, it seems like we just did this last week with uh, Rodion Amirov. Mm-hmm. Um Ivan Mirishnichenko. Um, I mean, we're talking about lymphoma, same kind, of, same type of thing that uh, Lemieux went through. Um, obviously, a, a draft favorite uh, going in this year, first rounder, uh, probably a top ten pick. Um, any thoughts on, 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 or anything you guys wanted to add to that? I mean, obviously a tough time right now. I don't know what's going on with this, this world. It just seems like every, everybody's dealing with so much shit uh, for him, for a young guy, like, you know, with his potential and, and what for a young guy, period, a young person, period yeah. to be dealing with something like this is just, you know, it's, it's sad. And, and uh, I mean, obviously, obviously we see, we saw it with Lemieux it's, it's, curable so that's that's a positive but very um yeah i mean our thoughts go out to him and his family i don't i don't know if you guys had anything that you wanted to add to that um i just want to throw out that uh, earlier today uh, uh it looked like mario lemieux had a call with mirosvichenko and you know try to talk him over and give his experience with it and let him know that you know everything's going to be okay if if lemieux was able to come out of it so is him but at the same time yeah we, we like in the span of a week, we hear what happened with Rodin Amirov. We hear what happened with Mirosvichenko. Two, one player already having potentially a promising career. Mirosvichenko hasn't even got drafted yet. Top 10 talent. I mean, I hope he doesn't fall far out of the, or outside of the first round. He is a first round talent. I don't, I, I would still take him in that 15, 20 range if, you know, given his talent and skill set. But then again, at this point, his position his talent and everything is just second nature. And we just want him to get healthy and get back onto the ice. That, that to me is the most important thing. Um, and I, 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 I told my story last week about, you know, knowing someone going through cancer and everything like that. And I don't want to bring that up again because I, I was getting choked up last week a bit, but you know, it's, it's tough, but you know what? The fact that, you know, he's in, I would hope in good spirits right now, being able to battle this and get through it and come out stronger than ever. It's the most important thing because, you know, we have seen what happened when, you know, this disease does take a toll. I mean, let's face it, just fuck cancer. Right. Uh, I've been saying that for many years. Um, 
I, I just wish him nothing but the best. And just like Rodin Demirov, the whole entire hockey community is right behind him. Hawks, anything you wanted to add before we uh, close it out here? No, not really. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say besides, yeah, it is, it, it is heartbreaking that a guy uh, with so much promise and such a young person, like you said, these are human beings, not just hockey players. And uh, it, it's heartbreaking to see that he's got to go through something like this. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to add other than to reiterate that the whole hockey community is behind these guys. And uh, hopefully uh, Miroslav Shashenko beats, uh, he beats, he beats the odds and he, uh, he, he, he makes a quick recovery and hopefully the same thing with uh, Amirov as well. I, I do want to just quickly add that, uh, you know, Peter, I'm glad you brought up Mario Lemieux, obviously uh, doing a zoom call with him just to kind of ch- talk to talk him through it a little bit uh, because we talk a lot on this podcast about the shitty side of the hockey world and the hockey culture that, that exists. And, and we don't often highlight some of the, some of the good that, you know, comes from it as well. But um, there is is one of those moments. This is one of those moments. And there is a place where sometimes the hockey world and and the hockey culture does, does kind of group itself together and, and help others through hard hardships and, and, and stuff like that. And, and this is just one of those moments. And I think it's important to highlight that there is, there, there are good people in hockey. Hockey is not yeah. full of shit people. Um, it is, it, it is full of a lot of good people as well. Um, and, and for Lemieux to go out of his way to do something like that, I think is just, it's important to note that, you know, you know, there are people that, you know, want to, want to give back to the the community around them as well. Not just, not just hockey players. So yeah. Um, boys, with that said, uh, anything you wanted to quickly add on, on what you're working with uh, over the next week uh, that our listeners can look forward to Alex, I'll throw it to you real quick. Um, not too, too much. Uh, I, I've taken a little bit of a hiatus from these takeaway pieces that you and I were rotating on before, because I've been, I've been at this, well, I won't say it. It's a new, I've been back at this old job that I was at for, a, a for the past year. And my, 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 my wake up times in the morning is three 30 in the morning. So I'm <laughs> not really trying to stay up for an hour after leaf games, writing about the writing about the game. But uh, uh, yeah, so I haven't, I've been kind of taking the time off from that, but I am going to, as soon as this is done, actually, I'm going to be writing uh, Winnipeg jets trade targets. So uh, there are a couple guys on the jets that I think the Leafs could uh, be worth taking a look at. Uh, I don't really have anything else aside from that. I am going to be putting in some work on a, uh, a Leafs trade deadline piece history of the trade deadline, five worst and five best moves in history. And uh, I'm looking to get started on some draft profiles over the weekend as well. So well, hopefully it's not Neil Pionk that you're going to bring over from the uh, Winnipeg no. jets, but uh, no, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Peter, oh, Peter, you, you talked about the draft guide being released. That's big for us at the Hockey Writers. It has been for years. Yeah. Um, what else you got going on? Um, yeah. I, we're, uh, well, my Shane Wright one just got released. Um, I mean, if you want to check it out, um, go right ahead. Because if you don't know who Shane Wright is, uh, get used to that name. Uh, he's pretty good. Um, working on uh, some other draft profiles. And hopefully, obviously, this is now like my main thing because it's now kind of in that uh, stage where I want to try and get some profiles out, get that going as well as some of the other writers that are working on it as well. Um, but hopefully I'll get to some, you know, Leafs talk as well. Um, maybe, and also uh, part of the trade deadline, some of the breaking news stuff. So whenever something happens, I'll be there to break the news and hopefully a move comes the Maple Leafs way. Um, yeah, uh, boys, I just wanted to quickly point out along with the draft guide, all of us are working on profiles. 
how important these profiles are to the hockey writers because um, one Sportsnet has quoted our 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 uh, our draft Multiple coverage times, over the yeah. years. Um, it, it's been huge for them. Guys that get picked that you know are are you know one offs like uh, Igor Chainakov a couple years ago. I, you know the referral to our draft coverage is incredible. We have a great yeah. draft team. Peter's running it. Check it out at the Hockey Writers because it does it does uh, it it feeds a lot of information to these guys. I even I even caught Kevin McGrand looking at one of my draft profiles at the NHL Combine one year in Buffalo. So peeking over his corner and I saw mm-hmm. or his shoulder and my uh, saw my my article. So there you go. There um, you go. Draft coverage. Check out the Hockey Writers as always, guys. Uh, I, again. Thank you for joining us again for, for episode 74. We look forward to having you on next week. You can follow Peter on Twitter at P Barrichini. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. You can follow Alex at a Hobson media, or you can follow the podcast at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. We have a lot of great information coming over the next couple of weeks. A lot of good news for the podcast. A lot of good news, uh, a lot of great content over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so head over to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you download your podcast, iHeartRadio, we're there as well. YouTube. Uh, we've got some content there. Hopefully we're going to push more there as well. Hit subscribe, hit follow comment get involved we love we love listener questions uh and make sure you subscribe on all of our socials until next time shout out to ryan zeus fleming for our intro that's it for peter alex and myself until next week